everybody, get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on this lovely, hot, humid D.C. weekend. We've got a great show lined up for you. As always, uh, Deb Moser from Central Farm Markets joins us. She's going to talk a little about how to safely handle all your market purchases and all this heat. Um, and this next segment's going to be fun. You know, gin and tonic was born in India. I think a lot of people know that. But only recently has Indian gin become a highly regarded category. Megan Coyle is a brand manage, a brand relations manager for Jessalmer, uh Indian Craft Gin. It was recently named India's uh, Gin Distillery of the Year, and she's going to bring us a little taste and talk of that. We already got him. And our <laughs> friend Ashok Bajaj has added again. The pandemic couldn't stop. DC's preeminent restaurateur from developing a new concept. I'm talking about Knightsbridge Restaurant Group's founder, who has done it again. He redid the Oval Room, and it's now La Bise, the Kiss. Glad to have you back. With his chef. Oh, I'm God. I'm sorry. Sorry, chef. Tyler Stout, who's sitting sorry, right next sorry. to you. I got all caught up in kissing a shook. Okay, and next. Tyler, yeah, and Tyler. I've talked to Tyler. Tyler's okay, come on. Good man with a baby. Let's get through the intros. All right, you dry aging beef at home? Yes. No? Well, it can be done. Scott Coburn joins us with the story behind his patented steak ager. Uh, and you're going to hear more about that when he joins on the line. The Lyle, uh, Washington, D.C. is a new independent hotel um, open to DuPont Circle. Uh, Frederick, Maryland's Nick Sharp is with us. Uh, the property signature restaurant is called Lyle's, and he's going to tell us all about the hotel, the restaurant, his impressive resume, and his menu there. And Devon Holland-Williams is the driving force behind Sweet Scoops. They make water ice. They make Yum. water water mm-hmm. ice. And mm-hmm. she's brought a bunch in. I'll be eating all of that. Okay. Uh, it's a black Latina woman-owned small business at Union Market, and you're going to hear all about that as well. But first, Debbie Moser from Central Farm Market. Deb, are you there? Good morning. How are you? You're not really there. You're in Maine today. <laughs> I am in Maine today, yes. Good I'm calling you. in from Maine. Good for you. All right, Deb. So it is... A bazillion degrees outside, but people should still be out there because seriously, it is like the bounty of summer at the markets. But like, how do you take care of everything like corn and tomatoes and cucumbers, like all that produce? How do you take care of it in this heat? Right. Well, first thing you want to do is bring a cooler in your car and uh, line the cooler with some ice packs. You really don't want your produce to get hot in this weather. So line the cooler with some ice packs and then put a piece, a layer of newspaper down on top of that. That will prevent the fruits and the produce from sitting right on top of the ice packs. And as soon as you get uh, a handful, your tomatoes, your cucumbers, your corn, and your peaches, get them into the car and get them into the cooler. You don't want them sitting out and Mm -hmm. you don't want to walk around the market banging the fruit around. It does get hot. And everything should be kept cool. Now, you'll notice the the produce vendors will also have them in the shade. Mm -hmm. Everything is shaded. And the trucks, a lot of the fruit and vegetables are kept on the trucks this time of year to keep them cool. So 
we, we well, encourage I always, you to. I always feel like people yeah. think like when you are at a farm stand or you're at the farmer's market that, um, you know, if the fruit is cold or if there's a chill, that like it meant that. It was trucked in from It was trucked Me- in. Mexico. Do you know what I mean? Like that it. No, no, but that's no. Not some the of case. the trucks, yeah, some of the trucks are refrigerated trucks and they will mm-hmm. keep your produce cool. If you put lettuce out and it sits out all day, uh, you know, it's going to wilt mm-hmm. and you're going to have uh, you're going to have a lot of unhappy produce, unhappy looking produce. Uh, one of the reasons that farm markets start so early are especially in the summer it's when the you don't want all that sitting out until two or three o'clock in the afternoon. It totally. would just uh, really ruin it. I always everything. wondered about that. I wondered why you guys didn't wait till I wake up. <laughs> right, right. You have to get out there early, That David. part sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. And also, you get the pick of the litter. So, you sure. know, you get the best berries, the, the best peaches. Bird. The early yeah. bird. You know, the last time we got the pick of the litter, we picked the runt, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> and don't forget the melons, too. And um, on our... our um, Website this week. I'm, I'm sorry. Our newsletter this week. We had a whole uh, piece on how to choose your melons properly. So I read uh, you know, it. It was really informative. Okay, Deb. Yeah. So please tell everybody where they can find you online. Sure, yeah. centralfarmmarkets.com. You'll find all our locations and all the information you need. Great. Thanks, Deb. Have a great trip. All right. Bye. Thank you. Megan, let's talk Jesselmera and Indian Craft Gin. Yes. So, actually, first, tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you come from? I've recently transitioned out of working in restaurants in D.C. for the last, like, 20-plus years Mm -hmm. um, into a more PR-centric role. Um, And, honestly, it's been a lot of fun. Um, But And how did you find these guys? Yeah, so what brought you to work with this gin? So uh, this is one of our one of our clients that was already within our client stable when I joined the company, the mm-hmm. Gallivant Group, um, and I just I I love it. Like okay, but let's talk about the gin. So sure. what is it about this gin? What's its background? What's its history? You know why India? Give us the whole story. Yeah, I love it. Uh, so it's really fascinating <laughs> to me that India has only recently sort of come into its own as being a gin producing nation as opposed mm-hmm. to a gin consuming nation. Mm. And Jesselmer is to mm. me one of like the top gins that you can get like on the market in general but also from India and specifically. What, what why is that? What is it about the way it's produced that makes it so stellar? It's really fascinating to me. I feel like specifically with gin, I'm going to say this probably a couple of times, but texture is really important. Huh. Um, and they source 11, I'm sorry, 7 of their 11 botanicals from India itself, so it is actually a, like as homegrown as you can get. Um, delicious. Yeah, and it's really a del- just a delightful summer sipper. We're drinking it. What are yeah. we drinking? So a gin and can tonic. we just yeah. talk though for a second before we go to our guests? Um, there's a lot of varieties of gin. There's mm-hmm. like Plymouth gin and yep. all these different. So how does this fit into those categories? So categorically, this would be considered a London dry style. Okay. It is a very classic gin. It is very juniper forward, but it also still has a lot of that like citrus and vetiver and coriander. And it's all not things. oppressively juniper forward, though. No, you know, it's, it's nuanced for taking, sure, so. but it does have juniper at its heart, which gin honestly should. There's a lot of like new Western gins that I truly do yeah, enjoy. Yeah, they like take the juniper right out but of it. Yeah, it's, it's almost very like subtle. it's like barely an essence. Mm-hmm. Totally with you. Okay, so what did you pour for us here? So this is just an Indian gin and tonic, the ubiquitous straight up, uh, you know, summer classic. It's a little 
actually Indian tonic from uh, from Fever Tree, uh, mm-hmm. Jesselmer Gin, and just a little bit of lime. It's just the classic summer. And and what are your uh, how do you do it by parts? Because I think some people when they're making a gin and tonic, they're like too much gin, too much tonic. How do you? What's your best recommendation? I mean, it's all personal preference to a certain degree. I personally like to taste a little bit of the gin and a little bit of the tonic because I want the botanicals and the quinine to play together well. Mm-hmm. So this is not quite one-to-one, but pretty close. Okay, <laughs> like, great. All, all right, right. We're on move that on. note. I do want to say that uh, Andy Mitchell, our, our producer, board manager, and all that told me before the show that Juniper is his favorite planet. So I think that's really <laughs> Thank you, Andy. Um, all right, so they're here. Hi, the men are here. Ashuk Bajaj, Tyler Stout, Labis. Let's talk about it. First, Ashuk, Knightsbridge Group is, is I mean, it's an empire. When I met oh, wow. you first, you had one restaurant. Now you got a That's million restaurants. That's how you restaurant. start, right, okay, David? Can, right. I know. Can we do this correctly? Ooh. All right. So, Ashuk, it's been a hell of a year and a half. Yes. And um, you really had to uh, wiggle and swerve and move in order to maintain your properties and make some decisions, Oval Room being one of them. How did you do that? And, and I mean, was La, was La Bise already a, a little thought in your mind? Or were you like, now's my opportunity to do something different here? So La Bise was always in my mind after opening Annabelle. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I said modern American cuisine, modern American cuisine. And uh, Oval Room has been there for 26 years. But I wasn't really sure that I was ready to change Oval Room into La Bise. But La Bise was going to come somewhere okay. in D.C. Mm-hmm. So it was back in my mind, and then um, last year, June, when the riots happened, mm-hmm. they destroyed the Oval Room completely, okay? So, okay. Uh, you know, and then that was the time, and I said, okay, you know, I, you know. You God, can, it feels like a century ago. Yeah, it does. Like when Doesn't you say it do, that, yeah, yeah it's yeah. all of it just, it's so Yeah, bizarre. I mean, it's like I was watching it on CNN, and I ran from, you know, drove from my home in 10 minutes, got there, um, but standing there destroyed the restaurant it's just so after that the energy of the restaurant never felt the same mm. so i kept thinking oval room has a name it has uh, you know a uh, lot of wonderful chefs work there a um, lot of presidents ate there secretary mm-hmm. of state read their speeches before they went to the white house and it has such a rich history um do i change it not change it but eventually i decided you know um to put new energy there Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how the Labis was born. Okay. And you totally redid the space. Completely redid the space, completely redid the kitchen. I mean, it was a gut-down job. Mm. We closed it for, I mean, it was closed for many months, but for renovation for almost four months. Mm-hmm. And then how did you decide, what was your, how did you work with Chef Tyler? Like, how did you decide? Um, how did you find Chef Tyler? Okay, so two very good questions. So, okay. Um, we are full of them. We are full of them. Listen, Fair you're warning. smart people. Yeah, I know that for 30 years. <laughs> well, I'm not that smart. Well, well you married a smart. Yeah, that's so right. that makes yeah. you smart. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and that shows how smart she is. Yeah, right. but remember, I'm wife number three. So, well, well finally, the other two died. Of, took some time. The other two lucky. died of exhaustion. So <laughs> that's why she wanted the Don't job. Don't laugh at that. It's a stupid joke. Don't laugh at it. Okay, go ahead, Ashok. So, you know, chef is the soul and heart of the restaurant. Mm -hmm. I always said my restaurant always has been chef-driven. So finding a chef is very, very important. Marianne Burroughs one time told told me, this is about 10, 12 years ago, and I I was looking for a chef, and I said, can you find me a chef um, who has a little bit of a name, James Beard Award winning, and so on? 
and and she said, find a chef who can cook. Yeah, yeah. right. Most so, important. <laughs> and I said, huh? I said, of course <laughs> you should be able to cook. He says, so, you know, I, I did six or seven different tastings. Mm -hmm. You know, some of them came from Michelin star restaurant or has Michelin stars. And the the group of five of us were doing the tasting, Frank, Andrea, sure. um, you know, John Melfi. Who, Andrea, by the way, and, your GM. No, Andrea is my lady. Oh, you're la oh sorry. Oh. Who's the GM? Uh, Dina. Dina. Dina wasn't hired. So many though. women. So I know. Right. So, so, so Dina time. is amazing. Can I just give a <laughs> shout out to Dina? I think she's an amazing GM. Yeah, but uh, great. Uh, and then, you know, we did a lot of tasting. Then, you know, t the Tyler um, well, came recommended. Um, so Tyler came recommended and we did the tasting, but Tyler, I liked his organization in the kitchen when he was mm -hmm. doing the tasting, his intensity, his passion. He came a day before to prep. Mm. That always speaks a volume for me. I mean, there's other chef who did the tasting too. They, mm -hmm. they came in the morning three hours before. You can't do the tasting well, for a major yeah. restaurant three All hours right, before. So well, we I have got, one I, minute. But I want to, can I ask a quick question? No. How, when were you at Macon? In near Chevy Tyler. Circle. Tyler, got to speak Four. into the mic, dude. Four years ago. All right. Years, so, yeah. did you come up with their recipe for those deviled eggs? Because it's the best. It was the those best. Those are no. his favorite. No, no, no. Oh. no I didn't. Okay, dude, you should have said yes. What is the matter with you? <laughs> All right. Oh, you know what? All right. So, Tyler, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into you and the menu and what you guys are doing there. This is sure. David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to our dear friend Ashok Bajaj. Of, and Chef, uh, and Tyler, Chef Tyler Stout. Stout, who I feel like who, you keep forgetting. No, well, you be, if you would stop yapping and let me do my thing here. I, 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 have, so I have five seconds here mm -hmm. before you jump in. Okay. Hi, Tyler. Hey, how are you? Hi. So talk about a little about the menu and, and you know what? Everybody's got a favorite dish. What's your favorite dish? No, start with the menu. Start I with said, your talk about the no, favorite. We still have not explained what La Bise is and what kind of menu and restaurant it is. So why don't you let him do that first? Yeah, I would say it's modern-ish modern, modern -ish French. Um, there's some classics. There's approachable classics mm -hmm. there's also new twist on certain things mm -hmm. um, but mostly it's about creativity seasonality um but, high I, quality but, but stuff wouldn't you well. put it under a like a brasserie category like just i mean it's a little more upscale than a brasserie just as far as its setting goes but you know you have steak frites on the menu um uh, the gogeres, but the gogeres are done really nobody's doing gogeres quite like you Ooh, in the you city lobster um, because mm -hmm. they're stuffed with yeah, camembert, com right? Comte cheese. Comte. Uh, it's an espuma, so right. it's, uh, it's not too heavy. It's light. That's she a nice came home surprise. from that meal making big noise about those. Well, oh, can good. we talk sure. about so what's becoming a trend? And I think we're going to see it nationally because I know somebody else is doing it in New York, but the first place I saw it was on your menu was the... Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's the salmon dish. Oh, salmon, yeah. Yeah, it's the, the Kulubiak. Kulubiak. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was not familiar with the terminology, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not a traditionally French dish. No, not, not necessarily. It isn't. Um, it was something I tried a couple of years ago. Um, I thought I, I mean, I failed numerous times. It's oh, it's, very, it looks yeah, like it's hard it's, to make. Yeah, to get the thickness of the fish, the pastry to cook right. The layers in between. Well, because there's um, rice and herbs. Yeah, and a duck cell, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I haven't seen it. It, sounds it took like, a little while. Sounds like salmon Wellington. Is yeah, yeah essentially, essentially. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it really it beautiful. Is, yeah. Who's smart now? Yeah, okay. there's no rice in Wellington. Um, but it's similar in <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah. And so how did you work with Ashok to come up with sort of the kinds of things that were on the menu? Were there some things that he was like, has to be on the menu? And you were like, no, it doesn't. Or did you work together in a different way? Did you say way? to Ashok, you're fired. No, wait, I can't do that. <laughs> I got confused. Hold on. No, though, the good thing about, you know, the best thing about being in this company is you do get autonomy. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, a, the most important thing about being a chef. Obviously, the owner, Ashok, wants to see a couple things on the menu. And, you know, that's... And I agree, you know, there should be certain things on the menu. Um, but that's the beauty of it. You know, we get to work together and, um, you know, just put out the best we can. That's Are you saying I mean. that just because he's sitting here? And no, no, no. no. <laughs> next, time, next time we're going to bring you in without a show. That's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, just no, no, look, look, here, here, here was the idea behind the restaurant, which we, which we shared the common bond and that we wanted to do classic dishes. Mm -hmm. presented in a modern way mm -hmm. we also wanted to do modern food okay i mean if you go go to france now you know it's, a lot of people are doing modern food which it, it's and it represents a uh, france mm -hmm. exactly what we wanted to present here but there are dishes people like and they are familiar with it mm -hmm. and you know like beef tartare gougere um steak you know steak freeze mm -hmm. and in in salmon quebec is you know came from russia what by Escoffier mm -hmm. to France, and it's one of a very favorite dish. Okay, and that's exactly what we wanted to do. You know, we we at some point, you know, we're going to have oysters, the uh, you know seafood cocktails. So all those will come with time. It was the first menu, and I think uh, we he's done a good job. Uh, well, what I think is interesting is that there was a time in D.C. where French restaurants really did reign, and then they disappeared. And right. I mean, there wasn't very many French restaurants that people went to on a regular basis. True. When right? I, yeah, true. When I moved to the city. I mean, there were bistros, and that was yeah, they, they, Well, you had La Pamio, you have... Oh, well, that's uh, in the 90s. No, no, yeah. no, in Maison Blanc. I mean, there Maison was a Blanc, while were, yeah, where there then, was, like, major, yeah. like every major oh, restaurant Dominic was French. Dermo was Dominic. still around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then, Then you they know, disappeared. Yeah, they right. disappeared. So the fact that the city is, like, sort of... I mean, the city is so vibrant with... Right. So many different cuisines, I think many we, of which you bring yeah. to the table. Yeah, we we go we go through the face. Then you know, California was coming with California cuisine, mm -hmm. and American chef was saying, "Why do we have to do French food or Italian food? We want to do modern American food." And that exactly revolution happened. Look, I opened a lot of American restaurants, no. modern American restaurants. So now, why French? Why not? You know, because no, but I we, think, but chef, you're a perfect example, a shook of. Of all the different cuisines that people are eating now, that it doesn't, it's not just what's hot, no, right? Yeah. Like you have Indian, you have modern American, you have French, um, you had Italian, Israel. you have Italian, is Modena still over? Yeah, Modena, yeah, Modena. Right? Modena. So, I mean, I'm just saying like Israeli, Israeli Sababa, exactly, yeah. like all the cuisines, like that's my point. Like, the we're United just... Nations of restaurants. That's yes. it, right. that's me. <laughs> On that note, we're going to have to wrap up with you. La Bise, tell everybody where they can find it, please. La Bise is at 800 Connecticut Avenue, Northwest. Mm -hmm. um, and you can go to the website, labisedc.com. Come Great. visit us. I can't wait to Thank visit you. Thank you for having us on the Thank show. I can't us. wait to get there in the first place. All right, Megan, what? when you're working with a gin such as this, mm -hmm. um, and we look at the history of gin drinking in India, why is it now that India's gins are just sort of getting their value raised. I mean, I assume people in India, I mean, I feel like we should ask a shook, but I assume people in India were making gin. 
We just weren't seeing it here in the States. The, yes, there there was always gin being made, but honestly, India as a as a market, as a country, is actually much more leans towards like brown liquors. It's it's very much a whiskey nation. Mm-hmm. Um so and again, like the gin the gins that they were consuming were very much sort of the British gins. English fight colonial. You know, so yeah, sure. and it, it's interesting considering that you know, as we said, the gin and tonic was invented in India, but it's only just now that there are Indian gins being being marketed that are true gins that aren't necessarily, you know, as we talked about, like juniper-based, juniper-forward, right. um, all of that. So it, it's only, honestly, within the last five years that it's become an important well, category. So let's talk about the Southern Hemisphere, Ricky. First of all, are you sure. going to be in that Ricky competition? No, I'm, my, oh. my Ricky competition days Good. are past. Oh, so our son <laughs> Sam is in it. Our Sam son is Sam is in, is in it. it, and he comes in second every year. So I mean, we're that's trying what he to, says. Yeah, I've, I, I've, yeah, he's a liar. I made so. it to the finals a couple times. I, I, I will be honest. I, I do enjoy a Ricky. I always feel like somebody should just make it's a Ricky and DC. then win. Like it's like instead of making a play on a Ricky, it's like here's some gin, soda water, and lime juice. I win, right? It's a Ricky. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, well, well, actually, this will air on Sunday, and it's at one o'clock today. Mm-hmm. Over yeah. at uh, Jack Rose. At Jack Rose, Rose. Yeah. And that being said, it's all in good fun. I love the Craft Guild. I love the Ricky competition. They do amazing stuff. Like yeah, I've, I've, I've historically it, been it very involved in with them. It is in good fun. It's good fun to watch Sam slam his head against the wall when he comes in <laughs> second every time. Um, okay. Well, thanks. All right, so we're going to try our Rickies. Yeah, please. Um, you put a blackberry in it? Yes. Uh, I actually had intended to put a little mint in it, but the farmer's market was out of mint today. <laughs> there is a, you went to the wrong farmer's market, there is a, No, there is a run on mint. It's weird, right? It's weird. It's not in the grocery stores, and if it's not coming from your garden, it's yeah. not in the farmer's market either. I literally had someone at the farmer's market tell me that where they saw some growing down the street yeah. that I should no, just no, no. go pick some. There's a run on mint. I don't know what's <laughs> going on out there. I'm okay. telling you. But some you. dog has visited. All right. Exactly. Can we talk idea. about steak now? I want to get into Well, yeah. Steak. Scott, are you there? I am here. Hey, Scott. Hi, Scott. Hello, Scott. How are you? Scott Cobrin is a, is a serial entrepreneur, has uh-huh. come up with something really, un, un, uh, you know, everybody talks about how great, you know, aged steak is and all that. He has patented something called the Steak Ager, which is a device that creates a microclimate in your refrigerator for dry aging beef. And uh, Scott, pretty impressive. Why don't yep. we... Do a couple of seconds on you and your background. Well, and also, Scott, can you, we need to know about you and your background, but a, a lot of people don't know what age state We'll get means. to that. Oh, okay. we'll right. get to that. Saying. But I want to know when, you know, he was born in a log cabin, so let's hear the whole thing, Scott. <laughs> born in a log cabin, engineering background, and uh, years ago I had a phone call and I was asked a question. At that time, my hobby was making charcuterie and prosciutto. I had a curing locker. And uh, I was aging my own prosciutto and uh, other hams and tree. And I was asked the question, I, can we dry age beef at home? And I said, why not? Mm-hmm. And then dug into the uh, process variables and the, uh, the nuts and bolts of it and created a, 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 a box that inserted into your fridge and created a microclimate where you could put 10 or 12 or 15 pounds of beef and dry age it 30, 40, 50 days. And it it made the best steaks I've ever had. Um, prior to that, I had had dried steaks in Vegas, uh, L.A., and Hong Kong, and they were amazing. Uh, a dried steak is superior to uh, 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 any steak you can. Okay, why? but can we explain what dried? Because uh, you know, okay. like I have a friend who's well. I mean, clearly we're. 
food show. There's lots of chefs in studio, but so <laughs> sure, sure. there's chefs all over the place. But like, so I have a friend who's a chef, and like he'll buy you know a a good quality steak, but he'll like leave it to dry in his fridge. And I'm always like, yes. oh my god, how long are you going to do that? Isn't it going to go bad? Like, I think you know, it as will. Americans, <laughs> we're so afraid about things spoiling that we don't. Un- yes. That's why we don't understand the process. Okay, so think of it this way. When you buy a, a, a fresh cut a steak, mm-hmm. it's roughly 50% water, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day, if it was the right time of year, you would hang a side of beef out under your dry shed or in your barn or in a windy place, mm-hmm. and you could hang it there. Uh, dry aging was a method of preservation, uh, and the, the beef would uh, hang for 20, 30, 40 days, whatever it was. Then you would slab it up and store it long term. So that's the background of dry aging is centuries and thousands of years old, I'm guessing. Uh, nowadays, it's the process of uh, uh, having the right microclimate, which is temperature. You've got to maintain food safe temperatures. And then you have to have the right amount of air circulation and humidity control so that the, the, you're constantly wicking moisture off the beef. So you're reducing a, a 50% moisture content down to 20, 25% moisture content. Mm-hmm. And you do that on a continuous and slow basis. And you can dry age, well, with dry aging beef, the, the more mass you're dry aging, the, uh, the longer you can dry age. So we'll typically, uh, you see, you'll see a transformation of flavor taste everything around 30 days dry aged between 30 and 40 days all right um, i got a question it's well a wait do you want to take a break first? no i want to ask this quick question <clears throat> if i'm <laughs> if i'm back in the day let's say it's 20 years ago or even before you invented the dry your your dry ager and i'm hanging a slab of beef in my barn for 20 or 30 days what keeps it from rotting even if there's well, good circulation it's yeah, it's 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 the constant. Uh, well, you got the right temperatures. Okay, so you need food safe temperatures. It would be winter in in at the right elevation. Okay, for so no flies. Um, yeah, no flies. Uh, and you have a constant wicking of moisture from the beef. So you've got moisture leaving the beef at a rate that's greater than the ability for uh, pathogens to enter the beef. So it's a it's a balance and it's airflow. That's really what it is, is airflow. Got it. Interesting. Constant okay. On that note, of moisture. Scott, we're just going to take a quick break. When we come back, okay. we'll, we'll get more sure. into it and how people can get right access on. to the steak ager. Uh, this is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. There's more gin in our future as well. We'll be back in just a we'll second. We'll be. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Mm-hmm. Scott Cobrin, the inventor of the patented steak ager, uh, is with us. Scott, why why dry age beef? What what's the point ultimately? Because it it, it ultimately it gives you a, a, if you dry age thirty to forty days, you you see a, a complete transformation into, of the steak and texture, flavor, everything uh, as the steak begins to uh, uh, get into the fifty day dry age, and it's it's head and shoulders way out front better than any steak you can buy in a grocer. Um, and it's, it's spectacular. And so can it's I ask a question, Scott? Of... Scott, so is it just the, the, the exiting yes. of the water? Is it the, the water leaving the meat? Is, is that what intensifies the flavor of the steak? Is that why dry aging creates such a quality and delicious well, sh- taste and flavor? 
Yeah, because if you've you've got a uh, and it's fun we do we do uh, uh, comparison tests with regular steak and dry age. Um, when you've got fifty percent water, when you start grilling a steak, you're boiling off water before you cook it. Mm. Think about it that way. So Scott, let's talk about how the how somebody at home like me can use the steak ager. Well, we have we have two products: the Pro 15, which which is a a microclimate in a box you can put into your second refrigerator, your beer fridge. Uh, it can dry age up to uh, 15 pounds of beef, and uh, you can dry age up to 40 days. Uh, and we also have the Pro 40, which is a standalone refrigerated unit that can dry age up to 50, 60 pounds of beef, depending on how you load it. Or it can make charcuterie if you felt like making Lancino. Uh, you can take a look at our products at uh, com. Excellent. Scott, thank you so much. I can't wait to try the product. It sounds really interesting. Oh, you got to check it out. Totally. Thanks for joining us <laughs> Thanks today. Thanks for your time. Excellent. Okay. Cheers. And up next, so we are getting into some monkey bread. It looks like monkey bread. Is that what's happening over well, there? Well, we're going to talk to Nick Sharp, who is the new uh, executive chef at Lyle's in the new Lyle, Washington, D.C. hotel. Uh, hi, Nick. So, Nick, let's talk about it. So, the Lyle... Is in the former Rigsby space. Yes. So what happened? The um, the uh, the hotel got taken over. Like, give us a little, give us a little four one one on what happened there. Um. So before the pandemic, I'm not sure how long. Uh, mm-hmm. The Lore Group bought the hotel. So right. They were. Those are the guys behind the Riggs. Yes. Hotel. Right. So Riggs on Ninth and F. They mm-hmm. bought that also, transitioned it into the Riggs, and then um, before transitioning. The um, Lyle, they mm-hmm. had that for a little while. And then when the pandemic hit, they made the decision to switch it over. So. Switch it over. So then when they were coming up with the concept for the Lyle and brought you in, what did you decide to do? What did you want the feel to be? I mean, the dining room has been totally redone, right? Um, so how did you come up with the menu and what you wanted to offer? And, and, um, and especially since you guys opened sort of in the pandemic, right? Yeah. I mean, I know we're still in the pandemic, but yeah. I feel like we're on the tail end. Hopefully, um, get yeah. vaccinated people. You're an optimist. <laughs> um, well, I mean, we went through several several different ideations of it, and but the one thing we kept going back to was it being a neighborhood restaurant that people could come to several nights a week and making sure we had touchstones on the menu that like a burger or the fried chicken that, you know, felt homely. But we're a little elevated because when mm-hmm. you walk in the room, it is – Really pretty. Yeah. Beautiful. I had a a hard task of matching the food to the room. Right. Um, But, but yeah, you know, we also don't want it to be, you walk into that beautiful room, you you want to be able to relax into it, and we want you to come back a few times. So that was the main thing we focused on, and then Mm -hmm. building the menu around that, um, you know, focusing on seasonality, focusing on local products. Well, plus, I think given the location, so the location is above DuPont Circle on New Hampshire, right? New Hampshire Avenue. Yes. And um, that is an incredibly residential area for like a middle, for the middle of the city. And there's not, I mean, you have to go blocks in other ways to actually find a restaurant. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's weird. It is. That location. He it, looks very unhappy about that. No, no it's I great. Mean, we're on a little bit of an island in a good way. You yeah. Know, we, and, but, and that was something we, we focused on. You know, you don't want a destination restaurant in the middle of a neighborhood. I mean, I feel like you're you're missing out on... No, but a neighborhood needs... I mean, you want to fall out of your place and have a nice meal and get home in 10 minutes. Yeah. 
Now, are you guys doing breakfast, lunch, and dinner? What are you serving at this point? I mean, we, you came in with a monkey bread, so I'm thinking breakfast. We do breakfast, brunch, um, a modified lunch, mm -hmm. and dinner. Well, lunch is so hard in this city. Why is that? It's so hard. Um, I think especially where we are, I mean, you're really, you're, you're not playing to a certain crowd. I mean, if you're in a business, if you're downtown and you're, you not know right who now. your clientele is, yeah. Well, pre-pandemic, mm -hmm. um, if you know who your clientele is, it's easy to play to that. If you have the power lunchers that you know that have two hours to entertain, you play mm -hmm. to that. If you have the quick office workers where it's like grab and go and you know how to play to that. Mm -hmm. and in a neighborhood, we don't know who to play to yet. So we are. We're looking at it. We're talking about different um, ideas about how to capture some. Um, be interesting to know how many people who were working in offices have just transitioned to home and are staying there. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going back and forth. I yeah. think, you know, uh, the juice necessarily isn't worth the squeeze if you're going to have an office and pay the rent and so forth and so on. But Without a doubt. so nice to, like, see people right. in person and be able to get. I feel like you're, you know, having those interactions. Unless you're like me and you don't like people. And right. Which <laughs> works for him. So tell us about some of the things that are on the menu. What are we looking at? Um, so for the dinner menu, which mm -hmm. is probably our biggest um, service, um, all the appetizers are split up into two sections. One is for the table, and it's kind of shareable items. Like we have a, a English pea fritter that's mm. basically in the style of the um, falafel. Yum. So all the flavors, peppers, cumin, coriander, garlic, um, with a pepper relish mayo dipping sauce. That and sounds so amazing. Super light. Um, so is the hot smoked trout, is that a, a an entree or a? That is a appetizer. An appetizer. Yeah. So we're getting beautiful um, Hudson Valley <clears throat> trout. So mm. one of the last commercial farms um, in a few of the rivers up there, they have different spots, but we get, I mean, they're they're. Gorgeous. They look like salmon. They're around five, six pound fish. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. They're bright, bright orange. Um, we lightly cure them and then lightly smoke them. Oh, Serve them with a cucumber salad. We're getting a bunch of different cucumbers from some local farms. Mm -hmm. Dress it with a red onion yogurt. Um, so you get the, the smoked, you know, savoriness of the trout and the nice acidity and crunch from the cucumber. Now I'm going to ask about your, your spaghetti chitara because. That seems like an easy dish to make, but it's not. It's a real artistic undertaking. It's all so it's all um, done by hand. So we you know make our own pasta there, um, hand cut it um, on a katara, um, and then the sauce we've done a smoked Wait, tomato. What's a katara? The katara is a. It looks like a the bottom yeah. half of a guitar. Yeah, well, I mean that's what I assume. It's the wires. Right? Yeah. Like it cuts it on the wires. Yep. Okay. So you... I actually knew something you didn't know. God. Okay. I also <laughs> didn't live in Italy. Andy, record ahead. this show. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, you you make the dough, you put it over the wires, and then you roll it out over it. So it cuts. It's like a, it's a square pot, mm -hmm. uh, spaghetti. Yum. Yeah. And okay. then we do a smoked tomato sauce. Um, as I started making it, we I wanted to kind of mimic the flavors of like an amatriacana. Mm -hmm. So we smoked the... Um, mushrooms in it we dehydrate them a little bit and then we cook them in the olive oil and the red onion with the red onions garlic and black pepper to kind of mimic that flavor yeah not you had me at kitara <laughs> we don't we don't bill it as that you know mm -hmm. because we're not doing plays on stuff but it was kind of when you're making something that is vegetarian and you don't want it to be a 
qualifier of, oh, it's good because it's vegetarian, and try to hit flavors that are comfortable and, and approachable. Well, I mean, I think a lot of, I, I mean, that is sort of the new trend for chefs, right? Because, you know, 15 years ago, if you told somebody you were vegetarian, they would be like, um, here are the carrots or a plate of pasta. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's sort of a joke. Um, and then you but, said, and what's up, Doc? No, no, no. Nope. But, like, there was just sort of, like, chefs used to roll their eyes. They used to be like, vegetarian. <laughs> but, like, now there's, with all the grains and all the great um, produce and, like, the ways to manipulate things now, like, you can do really satisfying, delicious dishes I've got that are vegetarian. I've a vegan. really important question for you. Yes. When are you going to cut up that monkey bread, man? Oh, no. Well, he wants you to use your hands I want you to, Yeah. Please well, dig in. We're going to get all sticky. Okay. Well, I, I did bring napkins from Okay, and can I ask lobby. one last question before we let you go? And this bread is awesome. Focaccia. So you're making your own focaccia. Yes. I mean, is why? Why make your own bread? Because it's an undertaking, and you need room in the kitchen to do that. Yes, it is an undertaking. Uh, <laughs> hence me being a little late here today. Um right. I mean, I don't know. We just, it's it's better, you know, and I feel like it's something we can really get behind. Mm-hmm. Um it's a lot of fun, mm-hmm. despite the fact that it's a ton of work. We got a starter that's over 100 years old during the pandemic, uh, first quarantine. Was that from Johanna? No. Okay. It was from you know she was, like, giving out her starter left, right, and sideways. No, I didn't. I, well, so we had the same thing. One of okay. our, our Silver Lion um, over at the Riggs, one of the Silver Lion mm-hmm. bartenders brought it in. So we've been playing with that, and I use it at home. I use it in the restaurant. And okay, have you tried it in pancakes? I did, and I failed miserably. Did you really? Yeah. My okay. kid, well, according to my kids. Oh, okay. Well, that's okay. I mean, listen, somebody gave me a starter, and I kept it alive for a month, and then I was like, what am I, I'm never making bread. Why am I doing this? So I let it die. <laughs> well, yeah, you used She killed the, a 300-year-old starter. <laughs> right. I mean, you it's, should have heard it scream. <laughs> no. It's Starters an undertaking. Are, there are a lot of, it's like taking care of a child. There are a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and I can say that. I raised five. So anyway, all right. Nick, thank you, you so much. You used to say six. That's nice. I feel better. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, never mind. I'm not even going to go there. Um, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find you on Instagram and what you're doing. Um, Lyles is at 1731 New Hampshire Avenue Northwest. Mm-hmm. Find us at lyledc.com. Um, I believe it's Lyle at lyledc Instagram. I think you're right. You're right. We're all good. Um, and I'll have it all on the list are you on it, dot com, so you'll find everything there. Okay. Awesome. Great. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for bringing this all in. It's this beautiful. This bread is awesome. We're okay, also great. eating bread and dipping it in olive, olive oil. Olive oil, right. And everybody can dig into that yeah, monkey bread. In. Don't let it sit there, Come on. Please. You guys dig in. Devon, come sit down. Come on, Devon. So Devon Holland, Holland Williams, sorry, is the driving force behind something called Sweet Scoops. That's... Well, can I introduce her in a different way? No. Please? Well, I'm going to because no. you don't know the story. Do you want us to take a break? Oh, never mind. We're going to take a break first. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We're getting some water ice, and we're going to, like, slather it on monkey bread. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Our next guest is— No, we've already I'm not introduced a, her. I'm not allowed to even say anything about her because Nikki met her first at Union Market. No, um, that's not how it happened. Where'd you so, meet her? Um, Eric Brenner-Yang, who I love, ah. and uh, as I've mentioned before in the show— he created a partnership with the com, and he said, I don't want you to showcase what I'm doing. I want you to showcase what others are doing. 
And over the last year, he has brought to my attention a lot of people who are doing amazing things, and we therefore showcase him thanks to that partnership. So that's how I met Devon. And uh, she is doing water ice, which I grew up with because my family is originally from Philadelphia, but it is a really different delicacy. So hi, thanks for joining us. And it's good. And it's yummy. Tell us a little bit about yourself and why you decided to start Sweet Scoop. Sure. Thanks. Well, thank you for having me. And yes, I'm so glad um, for the introduction. Mm -hmm. Um, But Sweet Scoops really was an idea um, about a year ago. It is one of the positive things that have come out of the pandemic. But um, I was I have a 15 year career in marketing and and brand management. And when the pandemic hit, it, it was just the juggle of motherhood and career. And so I had this idea of sweet scoops because my husband and I actually, we used to, it's it was like our summer date night. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd go grab um, Italian ice and like watch the sunset or walk through the city. And then once we had kids. Sounds very romantic. I know. Really and then we romantic. had two toddlers. How many children do you have? Yeah. <laughs> and you were like, give them some water ice, please. <laughs> and so um, I wanted to have that same experience and memories with my kids. And so I did, at the top of the year, quit my job and decided to bring Sweet Scoops to life. Mm-hmm. Um, and But do it the way I envisioned it and the way I wanted to be a small business owner, but also keep it like really simple and bring what we like to say flavor to the summer mm-hmm. um, in a really like sweet and, and, and flavorful way. And what so what was it that you wanted to do? Yeah. And like what are the flavors that you do? And how, how did you come up with the recipes for everything? Yep. So uh, – when I say I wanted to do it my way, um, as a woman-owned, Black-owned, Latina-owned business, I wanted to be sure that all the partners and suppliers I worked with were also representative of that community. And so I was really intentional about finding a partner with who who's from Philly and authentically making Italian ice for years, who I could collaborate with on those flavors. Mm-hmm. Um, I, same thing with some of the unique candies that we carry, wanting to make sure everything came to life um, with the right partners. And so I do, I work with a family in Philly who's been making Italian ice for over 50 years. Um, and we've had the opportunity to just work together to see like me knowing the DC market and them knowing Italian ice, what was really going to resonate. So the flavors I brought today, passion fruit and mango are Mm. actually the like cult following that we have right now. Um, Sell out every weekend. Um, And then we also have other unique flavors that I cater just want to other say for the needs. record that I feel like you should put maybe some gin yes. in with the yes. mango yes. and like but, maybe well, there's something I think else what you should do is that put could be happening here and put it on top of monkey yes. bread. <laughs> and then, well, that does sound good. Um, yes. Yeah. So we have um, eight flavors um, that cater to everybody, right? If you like something tart, we have green apple. If you like you know, lemon classics, cherry classics. If you know Italian ice, you know cherries like the most. So I grew up eating chocolate. Yeah. Chocolate water ice. Yeah. It's got such a like crazy flavor. Can you just explain to for people who haven't gone to Philadelphia and had water ice? Like it's not like water ice is all over the place down here. I mean, I know there's Rita's, but like. Right. I know. It's like the R word. So (laughs) it is fantastic. The R word. I love that. However, 
Um, no, it's it's definitely caters to the Northeast, and and that's why we wanted to bring it. I wanted to bring it here because mm-hmm. it's such a great treat. It is for those you know who are looking for something that's dairy free. It mm-hmm. is dairy free. It's also gluten free. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just light and refreshing. Just treat. like that monkey bread. That monkey bread. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, but don't you think chocolate? Like we were we were just mm-hmm. down at the beach with Nikki's father, who yeah. is a Philly boy, yes. born and bred. Well, they live in right. Philly. Yeah. And, and um, they had shaved ice, you know, it was mm-hmm. a little different, but he had me get him chocolate. And I think chocolate's an aberration. That's like putting butter on a bagel. It's something. <laughs> okay, so something a lot of people wrong. aren't going to understand what's wrong with butter would, on a bagel, <laughs> but I mean, I understand. The whole but... purpose of the bagel is cream cheese, folks. <laughs> exactly. What the hell's the matter with everybody? But, but yeah. chocolate in ice to me is like, what? Yeah, I but, know. but this is water ice. That no, it doesn't matter. Ice. Chocolate in, in, in ice. Yeah. Well, then you'll be glad to know we don't carry chocolate because Good. I, too, was like. That's against you religion. Know, it, it is a fan favorite, but even working with my partner, we decided that. The texture is harder with the yeah, chocolate. The texture is different. And if mm-hmm. someone's looking for that chocolate flavor, they might, you know, skew to ice cream anyway. But we do have something um, of a different flavor, which is like black raspberry. Mm. Really dark. It's really sense. rich. Yeah. It's in it. And it some people say grape, some people say black raspberry, but um, really leaning towards like the refreshing side. Mm. And then why the candy? Why bring the candy in? Yeah, so the whole intent of Sweet Scoops as a whole is to give you like that moment of mm-hmm. a flavor and a sweet treat, right? To treat yourself and kind of indulge. And these They're really are, pretty. are just little scoops, so you're not overindulgent, but also um, creating just more... Um, we're located in Union Market, I should mm-hmm. say, and so pr- providing a variety of sweet treats and something that somebody can just grab and go. And you so have we chocolate have chocolate covered sunflower seeds, right? Yes, so that's Thank where God. we bring the chocolate. And this cola bears or roofier bears? Yeah, so these are our rum and cola bears. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have mojito gummy bears, mm-hmm. um, mango chili uh, gummies as well. They have the texture of a fruit snack, but okay. they have a I kick. hate to do this to you. Oh, we have to wrap up. Okay. Tell wait, everybody, wait, wait. please. Is no. that ginger? This is pineapple. Pineapple. Okay. okay. Yes. Tell everybody where they can find you online on Instagram, please. Okay, perfect. We are Sweet Scoops DC, uh, at Sweet Scoops DC on Instagram and sweetscoopsdc.com. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Devon. It's Thanks. so good to finally meet you in yes. person. Megan, come up to the mic. Hey. Hey, so what are you shaking up? So this is called the Golden Sun Sunset. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a obviously Jessamere gin, mm-hmm. um, turmeric, pineapple, and a little lime juice. Oh, whoa! Just it's really delightful. Okay, so well you can way. shake it quickly, but I want to be able to wrap up with you, sure. and then you can pour it afterwards. Okay. So um, tell everybody, like, are you? Can we find this gin now, like in area stores? Can it be? Do, can you ask for it in area bars, like at the Lyle, for example? <laughs> I mean, you know, um, where is it? Chef where do we just find ran it? Out of the room. It right. is. It is honestly. It is in this market. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not super easy to find. It's a little exclusive, so you have yeah. to go to sort of like your better tiered stores? liquor stores okay. to find it. Um, and and honestly, it's. <sighs> It, it's it's worth the, it's worth the sojourn out to find it. Right. Um. But if you if you were looking for it, then we can definitely like let us know, and we can definitely find you. A, okay. A where local it is. Shop. And is it at restaurants too? I mean, is that a it market a you're trying to get it in? It is, it is in a few restaurants. Um. It really only just 
was brought into this market since the pandemic sort of started. It Got did it. a lot of its sales in uh, uh, actually travel shops, like uh, airline, like sure. on airlines and things like that. That so, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, so great. So tell everybody where they can find information about it online and if there's other ways to have access to it. Sure. JesselMarriageIn.com is the website, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then at JesselMarriageIn is the uh, Instagram. Excellent. And either of those would be great. Great. Okay, you can check that up while check. I wrap up the show. So I want to thank everybody for joining us here on Foodie and the Beast, back in studio. Such a delicious show with so much great content. And I got so many chances to be silly. This is great. He did, and he ate an awful lot. Okay. No, awful I didn't eat that much. Lot. I he ate did. good bread and good monkey bread. And, and some... And some- and you had some drinks. That's great. Right. Anyway, but we want to thank you all for joining us. Don't forget, today is the last day of Bethesda's Restaurant Week, Savor Bethesda. So if you haven't had a chance to enjoy it, please check it out. And as we say every week, be safe out there because it is hot. And if you haven't been vaccinated, I don't know what you're waiting for. But other than that, have a delicious week. Yeah.